Welcome to Impact Mindset. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs and professionals, bringing you the best ideas and people to help grow your startup in today's marketplace. Each week, we deliver interviews, tips, and tools to inspire, train, and support you in your entrepreneurship journey. I'm your host, Bruno Fon. Today with me is Mr. Kemo Kamara. Kamara is a social entrepreneur, economist, and community organizer. Over the last 20 years, he has founded startups, built non-profit organizations, and played various leadership roles in community organizations. He is a strong believer in diversity and inclusion and a big advocate of representation. He enjoys bringing people together from diverse backgrounds to work together towards uh, common goals. He is the founder and CEO at OMEC, an organization with the mission to unlock and share the talent, voices and energy of the African diaspora. He is also co-founder Guinea Dental, a dental practice co-founded with his brothers in Guinea. Kamara is with me today to share his perspectives on various pathways to African diaspora engagement, especially as professionals and entrepreneurs. So welcome to Impact Mindset, Kamara. Thank you for having me, man. That's uh, that's a quite an introduction. I was like, man, I need to meet that guy. <laughs> and then you just discover it's you actually yeah i was like wait uh he's saying my name um okay that's that's interesting <laughs> no, thank you that's uh that's cool um it sounds like i did so much already no yeah i've read your i've read your story of course and i know you're born in guinea studied and uh, lived in the United States, Germany, and currently living and working in the Netherlands. Um, I know that I have left a huge gap in that. So could you tell us your story? All right. Where do you want to start? Well, let's see. It would always be interesting to understand how you, how your environment, where, um, where you came from, Guinea, and how your environment and your journey shaped your uh your passion and, and i can hear when you speak i can hear your passion in bringing people together and in in, in in talking about diversity and inclusion i was just wondering how your background and your educational uh career actually shaped your mission today um yeah i uh so basically like you say i was born in guinea that's in west africa so for those who don't know um, I was born within, um, well, I mean, in the Western standard, like a big family because I have a, we have an older um, eight siblings, including my, um, plus me, it will be nine from, um, you know, one mom, one dad. So kudos to them, my parents, amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing people. So, yeah, I was born in a big family, but like even with this um, nine siblings, I've never felt my whole entire life living um, with my uh, with my parents never felt like, and we never had less than uh, twenty people living in the compound. Wow, quite a big so, uh, yeah. Even even like so, my parents were like these people were like like basically literally raised the whole village. Um, that kind of term. Mm. They had nine kids themselves, but they raised 
their you know nieces like all these brothers my mom's like side my dad's side like the brothers send their kids to them to you know put them in school so we always right. have the people and then they had a lot of the time like aunties coming to visit like uncles coming to visit and we also had friends from school that would come in and stay with us and then before you know it's six months <laughs> or a year they're part of the family like they just moved so you have this like man this big compound and it has like people there like at any given time i think at the peak we will have like between 50 and 60 people living at one time like i remember growing up like literally that kind of um you know places like this is a community right yeah and sometimes like my friends who come to visit and it will be having a lunch or people will be cooking it's like is there a celebration here it's like no what are you talking about this is just our lunch time <laughs> um so I, I grew up in that environment and I always saw my parents not only doing that within you know their family within their compound compound but like they leverage um their professional success right to really build a community really like you know in the village village association people from like the same same places and then build um, the community and create like a really structured, organized because they were like professional, intellectual, you know, um, educated people. So they use that technique, that network, that leadership, and then every technical um, aspect experience uh, that they had to really come to the community and build a community. We saw that happening. So you have like a, the social aspect or professional aspect. So for instance, some of the things that they did is to create an NGO and then leverage that NGO and then get some fundies and then start building school, hospitals, community centers in their village right. and then support all the villages around to the same thing. So that, that, that's the environment I grew up in. So that's what I know. Like you are part of a bigger system. You are part of like a community. Yeah. You are part of like a places where everybody knows what to do how to support each other everybody have a role and responsibility so this like a beautiful functioning human technology that i grew up in and so 20 years ago i um when i uh, moved when i got to the university i uh, decided to go to the united states and then pursue my education there and then i wanted to like yeah the reason that i left it was really simple i had this very linear thinking this linear vision, clear vision, I'm gonna go to the US and get the best education, go to the best school, work at the best company, get the best experience I can, and maybe one day come back, no, not maybe, just come back one day and then be right. sitting at the, at the table with people that come from the, you know, like from, from, you know, outside the country, whether they work for the IMF or like any big institution, then, we went to the same school. We went to have the same education. Then you cannot intimidate me. And like, so I wanted to be on the same level. So that was the, my linear thinking. And so, yeah, that's my uh, upbringing from Guinea, the environment, the community, the aspect that I had. And I just moved. That's how I moved to the U.S. to do that. How did you find expression of um, the whole environment? Where, uh, how you experienced it, you know, the, the community uh, what you describe as the human technology part of the aspects on how um, the community is supported and built. How did you find its expression in the United States within the African community? Yeah, that's a, I, I like that question, to be honest, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah growing up in the, growing up in, in, yeah, in Guinea, so you come to, to the U.S., 
I think when I first moved there, I was so focused and so excited. Like, I'm going to the U.S. I have this American dream, right? Right. So, and I was young. <laughs> um, I have this linear thinking, this linear, like, just a clear vision. So I'm there. I'm like, oh, man, sky is the limit. So I was really excited. So the idea of a community was not, it was just not even under my radar. It was just about me. It's about me succeeding. It's about me making a way. Um, so initially when I was there, it was all about that. How do you adjust? How do you get in the system and how do you succeed? And in, on top of that, in my, uh, in my vision, right, in that dream, there's a lot of things that I miss um, in the equation. <laughs> Uh, because I came from Guinea, which is a French colony. Um, oh. So technically we speak French because of like the colonization. So I go to the U.S. I don't speak English. I only mm-hmm. spoke French. So I didn't, I, and then you need to speak, you need to learn English, right? And then uh, also I didn't realize that you have to pay for education in the U.S. It's really expensive. And so like those right. things, uh, or you have to pay for your house, your apartment. You're not living with your parents anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to work. So you have to do all this and you have to like get your paper. You have to get this. You have to learn how to navigate the system. And so, yeah, all that things like now, how do you overcome those challenges that you, ne- you didn't actually plan for it before? So that gets you like really put your head down and it just make it happen, just do it. And so I wasn't so much involved in the community, but it was when that I got done to school and then I started working. And I was now in the position, privileged position, to give back. And that's right. what I started, really started getting involved in community engagement, like community association, and then like Guinean association, African, like you name it, uh, whether it's like religious, like anything that just brought people together and then help people to get, uh, come together and succeed. Like basically, like I've seen happen. So that was a big part of me. Um, but the challenge, or the biggest difference is that back home is like the same family, same people coming together, like this community. And then when you go to the US, then you have like, it's an event like in the bigger picture. So like people from like same country, maybe Guinean, Guinean association, but you have like a, from different tribe or from different, you know, background and all this, or you have like African association. So like from different countries, so like right. a really deep, this is the next level, right? Right. And so bringing, you know, but at the same time, so we all people. So you have like that basic fundament um, foundation of like how you deal with people and how you interact with people that was there. But like now it's like the next level. How do you apply it within that next level? And then like intellectual um, differences is there. Some people are educated and then you have like a deal with another group like yeah. with non-educated. So like there was like all this dynamics. So it was like really totally um in the same, same in the same in the way where it's like all African, you know, big attached to, we have the same background coming from the same country or same history, same tradition, but and and then the other hand, like extremely different, um, because they have a different vision, different dream, different everything. So right, right. And so you can see uh, that that your heart uh, is sort of not necessarily a change of heart, but you. Despite the fact that you you came from a collective environment, uh, and you uh, sort of moved into an environment where you were forced into individualism, you didn't really uh, lose your sense of community at all. Yeah, no, that's a good. Yeah, you're totally right. I think I don't know if I, I feel lucky, but or not, but it's just because I, I never even thought about that. Um, it's just never even crossed my radar because right. 
I guess the way I was brought, it's just a part of my, I don't know if that's the thing, like, but it was, I, I, I still say like, it's a part of my DNA. Like it never crossed my mind. Like when I first came in, it was just about me succeeding, right? As soon as I started working, as soon as I started having a free time, as soon as I started having that luxury, I just automatically got attracted, got drawn into like, hey, I want to volunteer, I want to help. And then that volunteering turned into like a leadership role, like it turned into more leadership role, more leadership because I was learning all this experience from work and bringing back to the community. I was like, man, like this community have like a such a massive potential. And I think, guess what? Where that come from? Back home. Because I saw my parents leveraging that thing and then doing something that was like no one would even imagine, you know, like community there is like a social thing. But like, how do you, you know, organize at that time? I'm talking about like, a, you know, like a 25 years ago, right? How do you, you know, um, say, hey, we all intellectual educated, let's create a, a nonprofit organization and then leverage our play, our position and our role in the government or like whatever, um, you know, like professional environment industry we are in leverage that there's access to like build something. And for me, that was like a really transformational. And so that stays something when I said, well, if I'm learning this strategy, I have to move, a, you know, like a, a, a place, an organization from any point A to a point B, maybe you can apply that in the community. So I was going always in that mindset. But at the same time, though, I was connected with like a lot of friends from school or like things like that. They were like, no, this uh, this community town has like a, it's just that's too much noises, and it's like they they get into your business, like yeah, not everybody right, wanted, right. To do that. yeah, yeah. There is always the um, the sense of not necessarily loss in belonging uh, to an organization, but you always have the conflict of people who have been hurt by others within the community. The thing that well, I don't want to deal with with others within the community. I prefer to. Uh, to do things on my own and uh, that is sort of accentuated by the sense of individualism in in the western culture and did you find that sort of resistance to your appeal in being part of community so endemic yeah i i saw that i I guess that's what i was saying like i saw a lot of the even myself when i was because yeah i spent over 15 15, like almost 20 years now, I've been like in community engagement from like all aspects, professional to to social, to religious, to sport, like every single angle, age, group. So I've seen a lot of this. Like at, at one point, like when I was organizing communities and then I would see a lot of uh, friends from school and they're like, hey, dude, you guys, when we all go into like this really amazing school and working like in the corporate, like have this privilege, Imagine if we were to come together and then like, what we can do, you know, how we can open door to other people, how we can support. But the, the answer is like, no, no, it's hard dealing with people. I don't want to like, they, they will be all over your business. So there was like a, a lot of this rejection. But for me, that's like, all right, we can be friends. We can stay in our own land. This is what I do. This is what I love doing. And I love supporting. So that never affected me. And then it's like, sometimes I just didn't even, and uh, these people, I maybe we didn't have the like, same upbringing, and so I didn't, um, you know, blame them or anything like that. And it's like, all right, we can stay friends, we do our ten. But for me, it was like the more I was learning from the corporate side, the more I was like bringing to the community. Um, and I almost at one point became a bridge between like a corporate world, like a technical aspect there, understanding that, and then bringing that to the community. 
um, world and then uh, taking that collective social human aspect from the community to like uh, my corporate space. So I was coming and then people within the corporate space is like, it's so individualistic, they're so competitive and it's all, I was like, no guys, like we are part of the team. And that was like really helping me there too, like in the leadership position, that concept of team, that concept of working together, that concept of like collective power and not competing with each other within the team. So I was always able to like become that bridge. But yeah, you're right. It's uh, It wasn't always easy and it's still not, not easy. And but for me, luckily, it's, it, it was amazing. It's a blessing really that I, I experienced that for many years. And so when I was, cre- when I, when it came down to create Omec, it just like, I had so much experience. And then I yeah. just like, tech, you know, like came up with a strategy to say like, how do you overcome all these challenges? So we can talk about that um, when we get there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I was wondering, uh, you were mentioning how uh, your experience in the in the corporate space uh, sort of um, led to creating the environment within uh, within the community within the diaspora space more or less. How how effective have you seen that sort of uh, well I don't want to say integration but more or less uh, how your experience in the corporate space enhanced your work within the community. Um, I think personally, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And I think for me, it just started naturally, right? I, it just started naturally. I know this, I have learned this, and then I'm just in, in the community when I come in and I'm in the leadership position. And I think like, hey, what do we, what exactly do we want to do? Let's articulate that. Once we have that, and where are we right now compared to that goal? And then how do we get there? Like when, the timeline, just a basic strategy, right? And you start having that communication, usually like in the social setting, people just don't, you know, just talk and then it's like, it's not that way. But when you start breaking it down that way, people start, it start becoming really simple. And then you feel like, oh, this is simple, but like it has so much impact within this community. And then so it started like a little by little seeing like, oh, man, I have a voice here and I have something that I can contribute. And then it started becoming more like more role for leadership. So um, basically, like it is it is it's something that's extremely needed within this community um, space. Because people come in there based on their uh, passion for something and passion for coming together or like just want to be social and want to. So not think through like not, not everybody have like the same opportunity or like the same social or professional level and a skill and understanding. And so like when you have this expertise and you can come in there and then and figure out how to contribute, that's a huge need. That's a huge need there, like special like this NGO, you know, community association or like in this thing. And so for me, I think it's extremely, extremely um, helpful but on the flip side, people usually think like, oh, I'm a professional. I don't have a time to deal with this. I don't have the time right. to, you know, to deal with these noises and in the community. But the flip side is like, I wasn't only helping, like I was, yes, I was providing that technical skill, but I was also learning from these people to be in a humble, to support in order, to help in order. And the, the idea of like a coming together and just being there for each other 
and how does that work? So I was able also that human aspect um, right. to take that back to work. And so the corporate environment also benefit from that because in the corporate setting, it becomes social individualistic, social, cultural depending. So uh, competitive, like it's about me, how do I succeed? How do I, versus how do I support other people to succeed? Which is ultimately uh, say more about me and uh, I will succeed as well by helping others. Yeah, it's more or less, uh together you, you solve a problem when you when you bring your hands together when you put in your effort together when you pull in your resources and skills together you actually create an environment where everyone within the community gain yes rather, yeah rather than uh, just saying that it is just my skill i would have to just deal with that myself uh in, in a very selfish uh, kind of way yeah uh, one of the things that i've realized uh working and knowing non-profit organizations or community organizations is usually the lack of uh, professionalism mm -hmm. or, or rather the absence of the desire to do things professionally. Mm -hmm. And uh, is, is that something that you noticed working with other organizations that you really had to sort of uh, bring that in in, a, in, your, in your very unique way in terms of how, how do I let them understand that, say, simple things like being on time for an appointment, for example, that sort of thing uh, is important because one of the things and realizations is that even those in the corporate sector, once they get involved with nonprofit organization, seems more or less to relax their standards. Has this been your observation working with uh, community organizations? Oh yeah, absolutely, all, all, all the time, <laughs> um, all the time. And uh, at one point, I you just get frustrated, right? It's like, dude, I learned this uh, in the corporate setting. This is what I'm doing all the time. It, it works, right? At least it will help us like to get somewhere, to move better than where we are today. Um, not again, like, not everybody usually in this in this uh, um, setting have like the same um, professional like. Uh, skill or or expertise or experience, right? It's diff different. And uh, like, yeah, I give you an example. Like, sometimes I will be in this space and then come up with, like a really this elaborate strategy, and then how to go, you know, move, just reach the goal, and then what are the simple things that we need to do? Like a five, three, you know, like three, four, five things that I need to do. And you finish explaining all that, and people are gonna like, nope, we are not gonna do that. Like bluntly. And then for the simple reason that you just like somehow when you, you know, like it's not about what you're saying, but the way you're saying it or you the way you're providing it. And so if people are in the group, sometimes they feel like you're putting them down or you're showing off or like, you know, you think like right, a big right. guy or stuff like that. And it just like a kind of create this, uh, um, like a really lack of a reception from their part. And so I think a lot of the time it's like I reflect more on that and it's like how do you provide that? How do you meet people on their level and then just humble and then communicate this? And how, like I think a lot of the noises within the community um, is stem from there because yeah. you, if you're lucky, you work for in a big name, big corporation, big water company or whatever, you feel like a big shot and you come in there, that kind of create even a complex um, of inferiority or something. And so there's like all these things to you know take into account. So for me, like 
yeah, I've been in that space. I learned all that. But I think what crystallized it for me, like when I, um, three years ago, I did my master degree in development economics and international study. And during that time, I uh, focused, I did actually my thesis about the African diaspora. That was in Germany, right? That was in Germany. Yeah, that was in Germany three years ago. I uh, did my master about, you know, like on understanding the capital, the social capital, the financial capital, the human capital that the African diaspora had, and how do you tap into that for social economic development? It was during that study, that research and talking to people that I came in, like the realization, um, basically, I found this study on an article written by uh, the Harvard um, Business School about um, some how to market the, the diaspora. So they did this segmentation, uh, psychographic segmentation. So I leveraged that study and then just like uh, how do you mirror that to like the African diaspora community? So I segmented the community into four group based now on the geographical profile that we do today. Saying like, oh, I'm an African descent from Guinea. I'm an African descent from Nigeria. I'm an African descent from Africa, you know, like as an African-American and African descent of Caribbean, like that geographical space. But like, what if we feel to divide people, or to segment people based on the psychographic profile? What that mean is that what if we segmented people based on the vision? based on the shared values, based on their, you know, like shared um, dream, right? So now, now because we both from like the same country or have this continent in common, but do we have the same mindset? Do we have the same vision? Do we have the same passion? Do we have um, the same way of thinking, right? And so when you do that, then things become, oh my goodness, it just transcends all these noises that we have in the community. So I give an example. Once I did that study, it just made things so clear and so simple for me. Because I used to go in the community organization and it's like, man, I know this. I know what I'm talking about. It makes sense. Let's use it here. And I talk about it, talk about it. It creates these noises. And you try to overcome the noises. But now you come to the same community, look at it. It's like, all right. Most people in this community have a different mindset. What is their mindset? If people have like a social um, aspect that's the most valuable to them, and so all they want to do, they work all day, all week. On the weekend, they just want to come to a social setting. And whether that's a baby naming ceremony or someone has like a, ha you know, like a celebration of happiness that's happened, they just want to be there and celebrate with each other and be part of like this collective space and supporting each other and just go home and go back to work and provide to their family, right? right. And then you come in there as a chemo, man, like, listen, I have, I'm an entrepreneur. I know I want to change the world I, and Black Lives Matter, like it's social injustice, the climate change. We can, African, we have so much potential. We can change the world. These people don't want to hear that. So we have a different mindset. You know what I'm saying? Right, right indeed. And so if you put this group together, so it's like, it's never going to work. Because we don't have the same vision. We don't have the same value. We don't have the same passion. We don't have the same drive. And so basically what I did with that segmentation, I segmented the African community into four groups. The first group, I call them um, the, the cultural advocate. Cultural. So these are, yeah, these are like the people who moved um, from the cultural origin, whatever that is, uh, whether it's in, you know, the continental Africa or like, you know, Caribbean or like you just move to, let's say, in the Netherlands, 
you hear they either didn't have a lot of education there or didn't have no education or life like you know high school so they come in here and they'll work in the factory or blue collar work and just provide for the family but the culturally they kept that culture they speak the language really well they understand the tradition they still really so when they go to the um we you know like association like some you know community association like or like a church or the church I mean, like a wedding or anything like that. All they want to do is to be around each other and then, you know, just enjoy that time, enjoy that cultural, you know, social aspect that's happening. That's all they want, right? Right. And so you have the second group um, that I call the ethnic affirmers. The ethnic affirmers are like, you know, your uncles. You know, they left back home. They were like either doctor or professor. And then, like, um, they used to work in the professional level. They're like, oh, I'm going to move. To this country and then just to provide better you know living for my family and they come in here for some reason they couldn't translate their professional skill and then they would end up having ethnic store or like taxi driver uber driver or like anything right, right. but it's still intellectual like so these people are like in their head even if they've been here for 20 years they still really keep that tradition that culture at home they feel more african or more traditional than people living in their country of origin right you know that those kind of uncle it's like um and then you have the third group so the third group basically are like the bicultural i call them the bicultural these are the people that's born from those two you know earlier group have the second generation the second generation right um diaspora so they are Dutch because they were born here, they grew up here, this is the culture they know, but also grew up from, the, you know, at, their, at home, they have an African culture. So they have this dual culture, they have this bicultural. Mm-hmm. Um, so these people, like usually when they were growing up, we can talk about this, like so much to, to impact there, but basically when they were growing up, they're like, man, I'm gonna be a Dutch. So because of that, I'm just gonna forget about my uh, African side of it i want to go to school i don't want to be bullied i want to fit in and then they've been doing that for the whole time and now they're like in their 30s and the late 20s and like and they're in the space where whatever that is they say they, they speak the language really well they have like this good job and they're like that's not enough i want to be part of something that's bigger than myself mm. right i don't want to take yeah. any more of this yeah. social injustice i want to create change i want to be you know, so those are the people that's like driving like this Black Lives Matter movement. They're driving the social change. They have a totally and, uh, yeah, they, yeah, they have a totally different experience than their parents, right? They have so they like now they're reconciling the both culture. They're like, I'm a Dutch, but at the same time, I'm African. I'm it's gonna bridge and it's gonna make it happen, and I'm gonna exist in this space. So this is a different mindset. And so the third one, uh, the fourth one is the group I call the assimilator. These are the group that completely cut themselves of the, the African heritage, the African community, everything that has to do with that. And completely for them, the success depended on assimilating um, within the society they're in. And so, yeah, usually those group like completely like have nothing to do. And it has a lot of reasons, some because um, for you know, maybe the community, the community association, they got misunderstood, and then they got tired of being there, and it's like I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore, and I'm done. Or some have like a other other challenges, or like 
they made it so far in the career like executives and somewhere they don't have the time and it's just like more and more completely find themselves isolated so there's those are the four group and then they all have a different mindset and they all have a different vision they all have a different value so if you usually what happened or in the community what happened whether is the community itself mm -hmm. or is an international institution or government everybody says the african diaspora and then they bucket all these four group into one sim one basic simple group and then it's like oh you are african diaspora and one policy to you it never work it never gonna work and that because... really allows for stereotyping huh? what and that allows for stereotyping as well when you it, it allows for everything yeah. yeah it allows for so basically think about it if you if you look at the dutch society on most places if you talk about african diaspora or migrant what do they think they automatically don't even see the bicultural it doesn't matter if you're bicultural or your assimilator which is like ceo or like an executive and somewhere like really well off um you were born here you understand everything but they see you as uh you know like someone who's working at the farm someone who you know like got here through the boats so like it, it, it's just like it, it, it opened the door for that but if you bring it in if you go in the you know like in the space in the community then you have this group that have, that have totally different mindset and so for us i think with omec really understanding that it just opened the door so for me now how does that work how do you apply that right. understanding having that knowledge when i go to a community association i don't go there like um with my bicultural mindset no I go there with the social aspect in my you know social mindset so i go there it's like this is about social this is about enjoying each other this is about it's nothing about you know changing the world it's nothing about it's about each other here supporting each other respecting each other meeting people where they are and respecting them i'm telling you once i started doing that it's just it's a, like a night and day people start respecting you people start yeah. listening to you yeah. because you're respecting them you are meeting them where they are. You are listening to them. And then more than that, you are appreciating them because I know the, the cultural advocate, they understand the African culture way more than I do. And so if I can celebrate them, I can learn more about the African culture, then they can actually, how do we put them on the pedestal to say like, man, like you guys still guarding this culture. We need African culture we are like sometimes don't even speak the language properly or don't understand all the nuances you guys do then we need to celebrate you and so once you start doing that guess what's going to happen they're going to respect you and they're going to start listening to you and life is start becoming easier and yeah so when you go to, when you go to like um you know um the ethnic affirmer right you understand how their mind work you understand what they're passionate about you understand what drive them and then you meet them there and guess what this uncle is gonna become your best friend now because he's gonna start oh man you're respecting me you understand me and so there's all noises that usually happen you're thinking this backward or like oh they don't understand and then they no 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 um that just you know completely goes away and that for me i think this is the key it's so important like to i started like really creating this awareness within the community um just to 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 help us go forward so
the the ethnographic segmentation is absolutely useful way of really looking at it and i'm just looking at it now i realize that uh, there is something i describe as uh, social commonalities yes yeah and i think that is exactly <clears throat> the approach that was really taken for you to sort of segment the group into four my my initial thought always before was segmenting and it's also the mistake that i think most of us make is segmenting it uh, only to two of the groups that we're thinking are uh, only in terms of the first generation, which in your segmentation is the cultural advocates. Um, my thinking always was, well, no, the, yeah. yes. I'm yes, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah, I was thinking that uh, usually in the past, in my thoughts, uh, I really love your segmentation. Um, and it sort of also corrects my thinking in terms of what I was always looking at in, in the context of a sort of segmenting the diaspora community where it was uh, you had the first generation those that were well, basically your uh, cultural advocates and then you had those that um uh the current generation that you would see that they're the children children of the first generation and yes. uh i think that is that is quite a limited way of looking at it out of yeah yeah absolutely i think that's what people have been looking at it there, especially within the community right you have the second generation, which is like the younger generation, they're here, and then the first generation. But within the first generation, like the mindset is not the same, right? So you have the cultural advocate, and then you have like the ethnic affirmer. Like a lot of these guys like feel like, man, I was a doctor back home. And and then they're looking at the other groups like, you guys, you, you are not even educated. So like their, their mindset is even not the same level, right? And so, so even within this group, like the first generation, like people, mindset where they are so if they understand where issues are um what issues is are and and what value like what is more important to them to then you, you they start meeting each other there versus you know like versus fighting they start respecting each other they start moving forward wow. and even if you take like a like culture right the second generation that we call even within that like the mind like uh, having this psychographic like uh, do we see that you and i are entrepreneur right we right. know like what we want to succeed we want to make these things happen we speak the same language being an entrepreneur it doesn't matter what country you're from it doesn't matter your geographical profile that is what matters like dude you and i people of african descent we're entrepreneur we're trying to like make these things happen if i need something i know when I come to you and then complain, you understand it. So we want to support each other. We want to go forward. So we speak the same language. We speak, we have the same vision, right? And so it becomes easier. Like now the things that differentiate us that people use to fight, that becomes something important. It becomes a plus. It becomes a positive versus a negative. Correct, correct. That's what uh, the social commonality aspect I, I mentioned is really a key aspect, that you have a common language that you can actually identify with someone uh, as part of the same community, even though at the same time, they are, uh, there is uniqueness in each. Yes. But there is yes. a commonality as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that that part is like extremely important. And for me, that's the key um, for OMEC to figure out how do you transcend the noises within the community and then really build this dream um, and just unlocking that potential, that capital that we have within the community, that drive that we have within the community to do something bigger than ourselves. So that's right there. I just like, 
give you my life story and then like oh the yeah key, the key why why i feel like okay not only the experience of working within the diaspora african diaspora community community engagement community building for you know like almost all my life if you really account to like my experience back home and and understanding those noises and then how you overcome those noises how you tra transcend those noises to really to get to the core and make things happen and so that's understanding all that having all this you know in front of me and doing my uh, research um as part of my thesis and having that data in front of me i'm like man i have to do something with this right right i, I have to do something with this and that's where the omec the whole concept of omec was born how does it find how does your values and your mission find expression in omec in in the context of the uh, practical application the events and uh, every other um activity that you've had since how does that find expression uh, within the organization it's everything that's that's basically like every like the whole value of omec is based on that it's it's the same because the idea of omec the basic idea is during like my you know personal experience i know i've been you know this whole thing right and um being a community organizing community building and then seeing all these challenges and and then doing this academic study and then having all this data as a part of this discussion and research because i talked to over 200 like a survey and then you know talk to over 200 people in the in the us in germany in france in belgium in the netherlands here all professional for african descent um from across right what i uh, what i find out is like one there's so many successful individual within the community it's it's amazing it's mind-boggling but because the individual you don't hear about them you don't see them and you don't have you don't feel their impact Correct. And so I find myself in this unique position where I'm like, oh my God, I see these people and I talk to them and it's the same thing. Everybody's like expressing the same thing. And so the value um, for me, Omec is always been the same value that I've always had. If we find a space, like create a space where all, I'm not the only one like a talk, talk, connecting, talking to all these people, let's create a space where we remove this black box that we live in today where we all can find each other and we all can realize like the the sheer number of uh, successful talented ex you know driven people within the diaspora so omec is like really let's create that space first where we can see each other where we make a connection extremely simple once we do that once we start talking once we start um when you start seeing each other then you start talking once you start Talking, then you start building trust, then you start engaging with each other, then you start collaborating. And so once we start, like once you remove that as a first step, then like how do we start collaborating? How do we leverage, harness um, this unique and talent that we have to, to really be part of something that's bigger than, than, than ourselves and make a bigger impact? So the value is always the same. The value is how do you contribute in the community? how do you contribute in this society how do you become an asset in this society and then realizing that the best way to do that is to do it collectively and and do it together and the beautiful thing is like talking to all these people i realize everybody wants the same thing 
Then wow. now, what is the missing part? Miss, what is the missing part in the equation? We all want to do this individually. Actually, we all trying to do it. And then why haven't we do done it? And right. so for me, yeah, having the you know like because of that experience, because of my experience, and because of that fine you know like that research, that psychographic profile segmentation that I had, I'm like this is the key. This is this is really the key. Each, you know, like everybody in this bucket and then trying to go, let's do it differently. Like, so Omek, I'm focusing on one group within this full um, segmented group, the bicultural. Those are the key. When you're able to bring them together and it start working, then it wrap off to the, you know, um, the ethnic affirmers, like the uncles, right? The intellectual, they already understand it. And then what's going to happen? The next group that's going to come in is those assimilators because these are like really highly successful that cut themselves out because of, you know, they feel like it, it's just a waste of time. But now they're seeing something that's working. And so you bring, you start bringing in this group. So this is, so the bicultural are really the key to solving this problem. So like the equation is be, always been here. The missing pieces be like, how do we do it? We don't trust each other. We don't know how to collaborate. We don't know, like, you know, all this negative thing, all these noises that people have been um, complaining about, and then it's been a problem. So now you, once you're able to remove that, then it happens. So yeah, that's a long answer to your question, but yes. No, it's absolutely useful because as you are speaking, I'm, I'm wondering where do I actually belong? And I think that I find myself as an assimilator quite unfortunately. Um, <laughs> not necessarily bicultural. I mean, in your psychographic uh, segmentation. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like it how you how you diagnose um, <laughs> yourself because that always happens every time I have this. Uh, I explain these people like, where do I fit in this group? Like, <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's a mindset, right? So you kind of like realize what's the mindset. Where, where do I? That's that's really important. I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah, and one one thing that I, I I do know that and realize that is uh, my skepticism of the effectiveness of uh, of of the diaspora organization. I mean, speaking with you and speaking with others who are who have had a different approach to how it works, I, I of course <clears throat> appreciate uh, the the importance of it. You know yeah. that sort of then takes takes us out, and of course I know that you have in your research. Of course, you've discovered that that is the the mindset of the assimilators who have sort of, who are sort of skeptical of the uh, the effectiveness not the usefulness yeah the effectiveness of uh, of our community organizations and associations and 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 finding new ways of well you know what i'm discouraged by what is going on in the organization i prefer yes. to want to focus on my career and and yes. profession yes how do you deal sometimes with this skepticism i mean i, I think I think with the for me with with this research research I really don't call it skepticism. All right, right, and I think it completely changed my mindset, my approach. And then think about it, like I had done this for fifteen years, like living in the U.S. Like no, over fifteen years for twenty years since I left Guinea, right? And so I think with this research, it's because I have done this. I have like been frustrated. I have like felt like wasting time, and but I've like also felt like you know just been part of it i've been i've been doing it so when i came across this i'm like when you say that i'm like no it's not a skepticism you, you come in the community you have tried to move forward people are not listening it's not working actually 
in fact, like most of the time, you you kind of end up creating enemies within the community, right? right. And it's like, man, I, I don't have a time for this. And so a lot of the people, it's not skepticism. It's like, no, this is not working. And it's not, I've tried, but I don't even have a time to deal with this. Yeah. But guess what's happened? Let's say you find a professional group, right? That's working exactly the way you want it. That's meeting the standard that you set. What are you going to do? Wouldn't you be the first one to jump in in there and support and help and do whatever you can? Yes. Exactly. That's and so that's the mindset. And so like assimilator is now, I, I don't even like that term, but like, because I sound more like a, um, it has a negative connotation, but like, that's a good reason. So once you understand that mindset and then you say like, well, if I'm going to build Omec, that build a most professional space that can rival any other Western professional networking environment. But at the same time, with the strong concept of community, collective, supporting each other to grow individually and collectively. If you have that, Assimilator will be the first one to come in and say, like, this is what I've been asking the whole time and no one was listening to me. What can I do to help? <laughs> I'm an executive in here. I'm an African at the end of the day. I've never, like, I always embrace it that, but I, I know the community, I don't want to deal with it. But now what you guys doing is a high quality, is everything. Who can I help? How can I help? They will be the first one to open that door. Oh, that, that, so, that definitely right? reflects exactly, that definitely reflects the uh, mindset I had when I was, uh, when I was, when the first event, I didn't attend the first event. Uh, yeah. When my colleague told me about it, I said, well, this is actually something that I would support. Exactly, exactly what he said in terms of, okay, this is something that I, I think I would, I would support this kind of an initiative. Yeah. It's really in that direction. It, it completely explains what that specific um, um, segment thinks. And, and, and I think you're absolutely correct about that. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think for me, like I said, this segmentation is key. Um, and it just gave me so much energy. And it's just like, it needs to create more awareness. Like it need to, I think for me, that's what like, I want to be, I want to be on this journey, like really like creating this awareness for people to understand this. Like this is the solution to going forward. And so like the, even the term like a skepticism, like no, it's a positive. Like assimilators are like amazing people. They're like a successful. These are the people that's going to make the community go forward because a lot of them are successful in what they do because they've been focusing on their career and getting there. And then they know how hard it got for them to get there. So if you understand that mindset, then you don't blame them. And but like a lot of people in the community, what do they say? Like, who you think you are? You think you're better than us? And then that just creates something different. So for me, um, like, yeah, I think understanding this, it just makes life so much easier, man. Um, so yeah, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you see it that way. So that's, that's really the solution. I think that's the way, way forward. And I know people, I know friend of mine who are in that space. I know people from the, my, even my family, um, you know, like that, not direct family, but like a cousin that I interview, they're completely like a man looks, listen, when I came to this country, I saw all these opportunities that we can do every time I go to the community space and I talk to these people, they don't get it. They don't get it. And then I haven't been in the community for 20 years. But I know these guys are amazing. Like, they will help me at the heartbeat 
to open any door. So I'm like, man, I need to build a space for people like this to feel comfortable and come in. They want to help. They desperately want to help. And you know, the fact that they're cutting themselves is because they just they just want to help and they, but right. they don't see. And I think that's not the only that's 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 that group. Imagine we can talk about all these three group or the three group or the four group, the bicultural understanding, really having this deep understanding of each group, this is how we move forward. And I think for me, that's the key for OMEC. That's the key. Um, that's something like like really now not many people have it. And we think like that's what we're leveraging to to create a solution forward, to create a way forward. It is such a useful tool, uh, your uh, the psychographic segmentation. I'm actually wondering whether this is something even policymakers within uh, the environments you've worked with, whether or not it's in the Netherlands or uh, or even Germany or the US, is it something you've had conversation with policymakers to look at how current policies dealing with migration, integration, and uh, issues on on diaspora is that something that uh, policy the policy environment is interested in? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think um, I haven't directly started yet, but I think we like with Omec. Once we start, like I think Omec is the kind of like the the idea of like a show me, yeah. right? Yeah. And so for me, like I know I've seen th these amazing people. So I'm like, if I can start bringing them together and then say like, this is it. Like we've been saying that we have a potential. You guys like, where is it? This is it. And so that's the first step. But at the same time. I think like creating awareness within my own community so they can see this and then start happening. After that, then we can start going to the policy people and then all oh, they can even start coming to us and then start explaining. And not too long ago, I wrote this an article about this one, um, like someone who's uh, you know a member of OMEC, I would say, is a writer. And so he was working on the project and said, hey, Kimo, can you write an article about this segmentation and uh, OMEC? Uh, way of like uh, engaging diaspora. So I wrote about this and it's like, this is where policymakers have been getting it wrong. And, and so I think it's completely, it's gonna, it's, there's such a big need for the policy space to rethink the way they engage the community, to rethink the way the, they get involved. And I think it, it, it's just amazing because the way they're doing like this geographical, um, profile that they're doing is never going to work. It's not, it hasn't worked the past, I don't know how long migration has been happening here. Um, yeah, migration policy the past 60 years and it won't work the past, the next 60 years, it won't. Um, so yeah, there's a need and it's going to start happening. So that that article was basically put together by uh, by um, a, a magazine here to like present it to the Dutch um policymaker to to have that so yeah i think we're gonna get there we're gonna have this conversation with the policymaker to say like you can keep doing what you're doing it's not gonna work i know for one thousand percent it won't um or you can adapt um the the path that we're doing and then you can partner with us and collaborate with us and figure out how we you know this is a new way forward this is a change happening right and this is where yeah. we are right now think about it think about the biculturals then you put the generation on it, right? Their mindset is only gonna keep changing and it's just gonna be totally different where it is right now to five years from now. And so how are you gonna keep doing the same policy, old policy to them? It's not gonna work. 
Yeah, or seeking or seeking to have the cultural advocates be similar to the biculturals, which is simply yeah. impossible. No, no, yeah. it's, it's just not. So yeah, we we get there. We get there. For me, I really like I, that's what I'm thinking about. Like as an entrepreneur, when we build this ecosystem, when we build this space, when we build this platform, and it start and it start working, like a year from now, two years from now, we start getting there, then we can go to anyone to say like, here is what we can bring to the table, right? And so you just don't wanna be a talk. It's like, here's what we can bring to the table. Here's the change. We are creating the change that we want to see. It's not a talk, we do exist. These people exist. These people want change. You personally want to change. That's why we're having this conversation, right? And yeah. thousands of other people out there want change. Let's figure out how we come together and solve that equation of like, how do we work together to unlock this talent that we have? And once we start doing that, I, I, like it would just be like one day, the policy makers start coming and say like, hey, how do we make this happen? And we say, this is how you make it happen. And let's go, let's make it happen. Yeah, and one way that, that takes a fine expression, the idea of, uh, really demonstrating the uh, the effectiveness and the impact of the work of OMEC is once you see uh, joint initiatives and collaborative initiatives between members uh, or those who are part of the network, let's say, you know, because yeah. one of the things that is absent uh, in the diaspora community is really looking at joint initiatives between, uh, uh, between migrants. You yes. know, in other words, do we have a joint fund where you can put together an investment fund, for example, yeah. where you also have a pool where you can you can get investments for doing a collaborative project, a partnership, and and the sort of things initiatives. I'm sure once practical results like that start emerging from the OMEC community, th that is also that also gives a sense that this method really works and it does work. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's where the hard part lies. Like the, I think dealing with the the external part is the easier part, because once they start seeing it work, they, for them it's just like, okay, this work, the, the old way doesn't work. They will listen to you, but show me, show me first, right? Show me it work. And for once, I think for Omek, like, you know, we all know this. We all know like uh, this. Uh, I mean, at work <laughs> we've seen it. Like, but like, how do you create that joint fund? You know, how do you create that, this bigger picture um, vision? You need to start small first. You need to have this kind of conversation. You need to have this kind of mindset and coming together. You need to build this, the trust in this space. And then we're like, oh yeah, how about we, now that we done a couple of things together, now that we start trusting each other, how about we go this way? And then how about we, you know, like people start coming because everybody know, like we have the talented people in this space, whether, it's like a social media trendsetter, whether it's an entrepreneur, whether it's like in the banking, you name it, like everywhere. Um, so, but once they start realizing, man, this is a space I can trust Bruce, I can trust Kimo, I can trust uh, this person, I can trust John, like I'm in the space, like let's do it, let's let do it. Absolutely. And you mentioned trust. Do you see um, uh, trust as a key element in uh, really building a community that is diverse and inclusive, because your your work your your work also really deals with diversity and inclusion. Do you see an element of trust in building that sort of uh, environment where people come from different backgrounds? You have the segmented into into four 
categories. How far do you see that? It, it, it starts with trust, it ends with trust. <laughs> Everything is trust, man. Um, the missing piece in the equation is being trust. Because everything is there, the talent is there, the capacity is there, the drive is there, right? The desire to be part of something bigger than yourself, to contribute, to support. All the ingredients are there and have always been there. The, the missing piece here is, has been trust. Why people say we don't collaborate? Because we don't trust each other. Mm. Yeah. Why people say we don't connect or we don't do it? Because we don't trust each other. And so it's been trust. And so now how do you build trust? Right. And so now go back again to the psychographic segmentation. Once you start bringing entrepreneurs together, they speak the same language. Right. And Correct. then it automatically transcends the noises that they have. And those noises come with lack of trust and create the lack of trust. You and I, you connected with me. I'd responded, you show me something, I check your website, I'm like, this guy's cool, and let's do it. It wasn't like, oh, me spending the whole year trying to figure out if I trust you or not. <laughs> yeah. Or ask you, where are you from? You know what I'm saying? That never happened. All it happened, like, I know you have the same vision as me. <laughs> we right. want to create change. We want to make, make impact in this, in this world, right? Correct. And so, like, the trust is automatically there. We're just building on top of it on goal. Why? Because we speak the same language. What is that language? We have the same vision. We have the same passion. We have the same value probably going forward. And so that is the key. That is to me uh, a very key element in what you mentioned in terms of that sort of common language. Because um, in these days, I mean, the, in the kind of rhetoric we have today, especially in the light of um, the events uh, around Black Lives Matter, you know, and all of the, the conversations around it is that people have very different definitions to how they describe diversity and inclusion. And I'm often afraid that uh, we always sort of delineate uh, diversity only in the context of race. How do you define that? How do you see that? And how um, how does that, how is that reflected in your thinking in terms of engaging uh, communities you work with? Um, in like looking at like my community engagement, like, and how do you look at diversity within that context? Yes. That's uh, so here's what I think generally about diversity, right? Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. I think we are a human being and as a human being, we were created like any other species, right? We are created, um, different for, to specific purposes so in terms of like the mindset the way we think in terms of like our gender in terms of our the color of our skin in terms of like all this external environment that we did not decide to have it this is how we were created and so that's the concept of like diversity we are different we are diverse and that created our species as a human species that's the overall thinking of it and so if you study history and you realize in human history, like those things were not an issue. People, it was accepted that way as who you are into like recently, like the human history when slavery, like blah, 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 that happened. And then people, you know, if you, if you know that. And so understanding that, then you kind of know where, at what point 
we started really saying this race is superior. Like the concept of a race came in, in the picture. And then the concept of superiority of this race came into picture. And what is that? How does all this connected? Why this happened? Economic aspect, like a capitalism aspect that coming into that picture. So if you understand all that and then kind of like, okay, see all that. And then the idea of a diversity start becoming easy for you. Right. Right. It's that become really clear. But if you don't want to, and so you want, if you don't educate yourself to get that bigger picture to understand it, uh-huh. then I think you need to go back and then do that. But once you have that done and you have your open mind, you know, mind open, then it start become really easy. It start become like, hey, we are human, right? Everything else that's been taught, it just, it just doesn't exist. It just is, it's not real. It's irrelevant. But unfortunately, we are born into the system. The whole system that's been built has been built on that lie, on that false pretenses, on that economic or whatever that was it. And so we live in within that system that we didn't build ourselves. Though it depends now how we decide to deal with it. So once you come with that stand, then you start figuring out how are the solution. So if I see it that way, you see it that way, then it start becoming like, dude, listen, the color of my skin doesn't mean anything. Somebody just came up with that so they can enrich themselves or they can colonize or they can take advantage, of, you know, like of my this group of people, of my people. Right. Um, so that's the backdrop of my thinking about how do I see it. Now we are where we are today. The reality is a reality. People, human nature, if you have the power, you don't want a relationship. it. And so, you know, people feel, some people feel like being a white is, is a privilege and they're going to stick to that. And you have to kill them to take that away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people believe like being a black is just like inferiority since it's been whatever. And, and so for us, with the way Omec want to transcend that, Omec, the way Omec want to solve that problem, it's like diversity, inclusion, diversity, inclusion. Listen, we are people of African descent. We understand our challenges. We're using like the segmentation or whatever, you know, like everything that we understand about who we are as a people. When we come together, we have a solution. We have, we empower ourselves. We uplift ourselves. And we become even a better, more effective member of the society where we live in. We become, um, we create more possibility for us to become part of the value creation in the society. And so if we have that, if you work in the space where you can come and I can give you a call and say like, hey, can you um help me and then give me a referral or get me get into that space and you make it happen then you open in the door for me you're making it easy for me to be part of that society and then make more impact and so we start opening the door and then we become more involved in the society that we are in and we start bringing more contributing more in the um, cultural economic aspect and so that is the key to solving the diversity issue mm. but today people are not looking at it that way and people, it's like this push relationship where, oh, let's design a program to solve a diversity and inclusion. So you're including in a group, the people coming in. So as a, as a people of African descent, the representation is lacking from all these companies and then everything. And then the, the Black Lives Matter happened and they have the challenges and they want to hire more black people or more, you know, brown people or more like, you know, diverse people. 
But like if the concept of OMEC exists, the space exists, the community exists, and they're like able to uplift each other, to support each other, to open the door for each other, to make each other better. And if you're working in the company and then you can be part of in this space, let's say you call yourself assimilator, and now you see this this brilliant space and you see all these young, young talented people that you're mentoring, that's like, I have this drive and you're like, no, I'm gonna do everything that I can then you don't go through the same hustle that I do. Then the company that you work in, and you're gonna fight to make sure these people get the opportunity to get in there. And so right. we're not even talking about diversity and inclusion anymore. Like you have the opportunity to open the door for more people. Forget about diversity and inclusion. And so, like imagine the 10, 20,000 of people are opportunity to do that, and then that became a, a, like a normal thing within the community just to do that for each other in every environment. We're not talking anymore about diversity and inclusion. Uh. We're talking about community, people supporting each other, people helping each other. That's oh. what's gonna happen. Like non-allies, um, non-African people um, are part of this community and they wanna help. All those people that wanna help come in and it become even much easier for them. They know where to go and then, you know provide help. And then you have more people opening more door and it becoming easy. And for, for me, this is like, I think it's a way forward. Right, 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 right. Because the, the current definition of diversity and inclusion is quite limited. And I think that you really have a, a broad and uh, you're sort of honed into uh, the specific elements of common uh, identities or commonalities, let's put it that way, of individuals, yeah. which, is, which, which comes from our basic foundational humanity. Yes. And, and within that context, everyone else can, can see themselves as part of their community, their human community. Yes. Yeah. We have gone nearly, nearly an hour about to get into some lighter questions, but okay. really have to do with say, what is one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? Wow, that's a good one then. <laughs> Man, I was like, I don't know if there's one It's probably a thousand ten, but yeah, it was. my career, one thing I wish I had known. I wish there was a space like Omeg. Wow. That existed. I I, I, I so wish. Because yes, it, I mean it, it, like where am I today? Maybe I would not have been the person I am today, you know, because I do. I've gone through all these experiences, and it made me who I am. But at the same time, like getting through my career without understanding this, how you navigate the system, and then doing it by yourself. But there's thousands of other people that did that before you that could easily guide you, that could easily open the door for you and make it much easier for you. And not having that, and I felt like when I, the way I went to the US with that drive, if there was a, a space like Omec, that could have seen like, this is where you need to go, this is where you need to learn the language, this is what you need to do, this is how you need to do A, B, C, D. And then uh, having people that I, I wanted to go to Harvard or I wanted to go like uh, any big school, and I know people that already went there and said like A, B, C, D, you need to do to get in here. So imagine, it would have been so much easier to stay on your career path. So, and you would have people, I have no idea what concept of like a mentor or having a coach, like there's like just recent, you know, um, concept to me. And, but like, that's what we need. Like we need to, like, 
when someone come from whatever country to study or they were born here, they need to have other people that they can really, that they can see like, oh man, like I, I want to be a pilot. This, this pilot, this, this astronaut, this, this engineer, this, this doctor that I can relate to, that I can connect with, that they can show yeah, me kind of, a, a role model. Yeah. 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 And I wish, I wish there was that space, but because it wasn't, and I'm going to create it to make sure like the generation that's coming after us can make fun of us. Like, what? Did you really have to, like, how did you survive? We'll make a life for, easy for them to succeed. Right. And I think that uh, that also goes to the, to the next question in terms of the kind of challenge that you faced and how, uh, how, how you have learned from it. Would you say that that has been uh, one of the challenges that you faced in, in the absence of uh, a kind of a community similar to Omex uh, and how you've learned from it? Um, can you, can you go, can you like rephrase that again? So see if I get it right. Oh no. Yeah. What, what I'm, I'm getting at is that what, what was one of your greatest challenge challenges that you faced and how, uh, and how you learned from it. So I'm making a point that probably one of the challenges was not having an organization such as, uh, Omec when you were in the U S for example, and mm -hmm. in the absence of that, you learned from it. Would that mm -hmm. be a great uh, way of looking at it? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in the absence of that, like I, I went through all these steps that I feel like it made me stronger and then, re you know, reflect more and then just shape who I am today. Um, so that, but like uh, the challenges right now are, yeah, the challenges in the past because I didn't know that. So I had to figure it out. I have to, like it took me much longer than I could have. Right? It so those were, those were challenges. And then like now knowing the idea, the concept of like a segmentation, the psychographic segmentation, had I known that, I think I would have been much more impactful in my community engagement, community building the past 15, 20 years, right? Um, and now knowing all that. So there's knowledge and I think that, that, that was like really, and then right now, um, those challenges still, still exist. I, I'm, I mean, it's much easier, but like it's still, uh, I think the biggest challenge is still dealing with a human and with social creature. We're coming with the emotion. And uh, so there's that. And building community, there's that aspect. Um, and the challenges is like being an entrepreneur, mm. right? You have this clear, beautiful vision to change the world. Um, but at the same time, you need so many things. You need the right set of people, the right set of environment, the right set of um, support system to help you get there, to help you build that. And you also need the resources, the tool, the financing to help you get that. And so those are all, you know, challenges from the social perspective, like the entrepreneurial perspective. But at the same time, the tanks is so needed. The vision is so clear. The, the people want to do it. So you kind of like a, easily sometimes connect with people that want to make that happen and then push it forward and get your message. And, and so, yeah, it just keeps surrounding yourself and then figuring out how it goes, even though these are challenges. But I think it's helpful, my past, overcoming all the obstacles from the first day I got in the U.S. to now, like all these obstacles being like helping me and overcome or address the challenges that I'm facing right now. Yeah, and in every challenge lie the solution. Yes. Absolutely. What are the issues uh, within the African diaspora community nobody's talking about? Nobody's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good. 
Um, because lack of trust, I, I mean, people talk about that all the time. So that's a huge, that's one of the biggest issues, like, you know, um, but people talk about that. People talk about that all the time. And so I don't know, um, there's like a, this, I think lack of trust kind of like you can just tie so many, like the way it manifests, it manifests itself in so many different ways. And so, like, people can say, like, oh, the differences, the cultural differences, like being African-American and being African. So there's always there's a challenges there, right? Yeah. Or right. being, I think you, like, being, you know, being here, you probably can understand this better than someone like myself who's been here only two years. Like, being from Suriname, an African of, you know, from Suriname descent and uh, a contemporary African who just moved from the continent, there's always been that, like, are they, do they get along? Do they? You know, so there's been all these cultural differences, but it's all the manifestation of a lack of trust. Um, so I think people talk about that, but I don't know what are some of the things, the mental issue. People don't talk about that a lot. Um, yeah, I, 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 I honestly don't because I feel like I've been talking to so, so many people and then people tell me a lot of stuff so i don't know if i can say like that people don't talk about that or that right would you would you in, in this sort of a question would you see uh, a difference say uh within the united states and europe would you see a difference in that sort of uh, the kind of subjects that uh migrants or diaspora have to face would you see a difference in in that sort of um in the, in the united states and in europe or the Netherlands, for example. Yeah, I think I think yeah, someone who's living in both environment, right? The some of the differences is that living in the US, even though here you see the police brutality and then like it's just so obvious and so brutal and then so inhumane. But living in the US, I feel like people are usually out of the open. And we know racism exists, and then we are gonna talk about it. If someone is racist, they're gonna be in your face uh, a lot of the times, so like, hey, I'm racist, and whatever, I don't like you, and blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of out of the open, and those who are not are not. Um, but I think in the Europe, the biggest difference is like the community, the people in the Europe feel like there's no racism here. And that's what I don't, I like, especially in the Netherlands, people usually yeah, say, like, oh, we don't have a racism. And so, like, if you don't, you can't solve a problem that you don't even recognize. Um, yeah. And so that's, I think that's like that, that's like a subtle difference. But like, yeah, that's like that difference. Um, people talk about like when this Black Lives Matter first started, people like, oh, this is American problem. We don't have that in Europe. But no, it's not an American problem. It's like everywhere. There's racism everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, a, you know, in, it's more talked about in the U.S., versus here um so i don't know if that that makes sense or not no it does make sense and i think that 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 becomes then relevant for the work of omec for example in in really identifying and working with people in understanding what brings us together what is more common with us uh as communities no matter where we are at whether or not there are cultural differences in the united states or wherever in the world but there is a basic common humanity that brings us together yeah and so yeah i think being at omec i had to learn all these things how do you navigate here with the not with the american lens but like the reality here 
And so like I have to explain so when I first started, I remember like in 2019, early you know, late 2019 when I started when we done this networking. And so like the Dutch people, the non-African, I have to like why why wanna create this? Why why do you wanna like a you know, like people like some were like really curious and then other felt that this is like another form of like segregation or uh, discrimination. Like why are you not part of the Dutch society? Why do you feel the need of come bring it together. So you had to explain this basic concept um, to them. Like, isn't that like, he's trying to be racist, like by, um, so like all this explanation, but like usually in the US, it's kind of like African-American and African-American. And so that concept is not even hiding there. Like, oh, we are black, we're gonna create a black group and then come together and work together or like people of African descent and we're gonna figure out on the goal. Like that is not, um, so there's like a, that, little nuances here like why is it important to to come together here why is it important how is that part of the solution in the diversity inclusion are you become part of the problem or become part of the solution i'm like no this is not part of the problem this is the only way forward this is the most effective way to solving the diversity inclusion that you everybody's trying to fight and so but like i think yeah now it's been much easier than um, than before, but again, I'm, I have to keep doing this, you know, awareness um, campaign within the community itself, but like outside the community, because there's something new that um, is different. Right, right, right. It, it's always important to bring in something uh, in looking at the environment and what has been working, what has not been working, and, and sort of, well, let us try something else and see if this works. Yes. And continue with the old path and getting the same result. Yes. I have one last question. Okay. What one mindset change that led to your part of self mastery and success? I'm sorry. I think the connection was like a little. Can you repeat that? What's the one mindset change that led to your part of self mastery and success? The mindset change. What mindset change? Well, it could have been at some point or, well, during. Yeah, I think for me, um, in terms of like my personality has who I am, I think that's always the foundation. I always had that. Like that's what we talked about, like the compound, like the family. Yeah. And then so that's always been the center. Um, and so that's always been there. And so it only keep getting better and then improving and better who I am today. But I think... I was always involved in the community engagement, community building, and then doing it like the hard way and then the natural way and then all that trial and then all that stuff. But I think for me, on, honestly, where I am today and the com conviction and then the clarity of the vision that I have and then how that's going to change, I think that has a lot to do with when I did the thesis, when I had the opportunity to talk to so many people and hear all this story and then really realize like people do exist, like this talent do, um, does exist within the community. And I think this psychographic segmentation was like, just blew my mind. I yeah. was like, man, as a community organizer, if I had this information before, it would have been totally different. And so I think there's two, two realization or these two key information came together and like really were able to glue all these pieces of puzzle that's been there. And it's been like really helpful 
um, in the sense. But like, yeah, personal personality has been always been the values has always been there. You just keep building and free. But, like, but yeah, I think if something new that came in the past three years, I would say that that's the most foreign aspect and then bigger, really big into like the decision that I made um, to create Omec and it's like, and the journey that I um, embarked on uh, were all triggered by those two key information. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks a lot for joining me on this episode. Uh, thanks a lot. Absolutely. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm <laughs> curious, how are you going to edit and then put all this together? Uh, but yeah, it's like beautiful questions, man. I think you, um, we, your question really helped like dive really into some aspect like uh, extremely important. So I hope this will be helpful uh, for your listeners to like, you already understand the concept of a community, the concept of like togetherness, the concept of making an impact, the concept of serving order, the concept of a professionalism the concept of like creating the change we want to see and how it's all possible and how everybody can play their role and, and make um, much, much bigger impact than we can imagine. So, Thanks a lot. I mean, the, the purpose of Impact Mindset um, is really a podcast for entrepreneurs and professionals, you know, looking to sort of boost their, uh, their impact and, and their business. And so what we, we do is we bring the best minds, we bring people like you, you know, with your passion and your, your courage in the work that you do, to inspire and encourage others to, you know, uh, find different parts to to what they have been doing, you know. And so we we are looking at really uh, uncovering the success mindset, you know, to understand how how people deal with the challenges that they have, entrepreneurs deal with the challenges that they have, and how they can overcome it. And I'd like to encourage everyone to the upcoming event on uh, Saturday, twenty first November, right? Yes, African Diaspora yeah. Summit. Yes, African Diaspora Summit is coming Saturday, November 21st. This is actually our second annual um, summit. So every year we're going to have this uh, annual summit. So we did it last year. It was a African Diaspora Collaboration Summit because we kind of we do want to address the idea of collaboration. And so this year we're doing it. But it's going to be two parts. The first part is going to be November 21st where we can talk about our bicultural identity. What does that mean and how does that manifest and how that inform who we are, our success, our failures, us as a people from all angle, from all industry. It's gonna be amazing. We come in bringing leaders, change maker, four leaders in the community, organization networks from the whole Europe, the first one. And the second one, part two would be November, uh, February, 2021. And it's going to be global. We're going all six continent networks, organization, individual from like all continent that have this conversation about African diaspora global collaboration. So, yeah, it's happening. Put on your calendar if you're listening to this November 21st. Um, go on OMEC or myomec.com. Um, check out our website, myomec.com. And then, uh, yeah, you can find more information there about the summit but yeah come be part of uh, part of the movement awesome thanks thanks a lot and that's definitely how people can uh, connect with you online go directly yes. to your website and uh, they'll find all the information i will yes. be there saturday 21st november for the summit 
I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And for you, um, this might be late, but tomorrow we do one of our you know signature event under the Baobao. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So where we kind of talk about cultural who we are and then like the, the safe space where we talk about us. So if you're available tomorrow, you can join us uh, for the Under the Baobao program. Great. Thanks a lot. We'll definitely uh, check that out. All right. Fantastic. Thank so, you so much. It's been so much fun. Absolutely. I definitely enjoy it. And we'll definitely have details on OMEC and other projects uh, you are working on uh, as well. The contact details will be available on the episode page on impact mindsets so thanks a lot thanks a lot thank you Bruno hi you're welcome hi bye 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 thank you for listening to impact mindset where we build a community of relentless entrepreneurs I hope you enjoyed the show stay informed and visit our website on impactmindset.com and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at FonBruno15, on Twitter and LinkedIn at FonBruno. If you are interested in private coaching and courses on startup strategy, ideation and concept development, contact me via podcast at impactmindset.com or visit my website at FonBruno.com.